Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. In, in, in the Christian life, uh, the, the life that we lead as believers in Christ, that it's, it's a journey. That it's not just an experience. In fact, Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, life is a journey, not a destination. Not only life, but faith. It's more than just an experience that we have at some point when all of a sudden the light goes on, we have the aha moment, we say the prayer, we come to the altar, we weep, we cry. How many know that's the beginning, but that's not what it's all about? That's just the beginning of the journey. Oswald Chambers said this, faith is the indefinable certainty of God behind everything and is the one thing the Spirit of God makes clearer and clearer as we go on. I love that quote. As we go on. And so after a week break last week, and, and uh, we're gonna, I'm excited, we're going to dive back into Hebrews chapter 11. We're in our series we're calling By Faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that's dedicated to defining what faith is and then illustrating it throughout. And so it, will, it gives us right away in Hebrews 11.1, 1, kind of gives us the concept or definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Again, faith is founded in substance. Faith is based on a substance. What or who are you trusting? What or who are you believing? What philosophy, what philosopher, what educational experience, what have you read or who has told you something that you have chosen to believe and as a result patterned your life in a particular way because this is what someone or something that you read or something told you. And when it comes to Christianity, what we find is, is that our substance is the word of God. The substance that we put our faith in is Jesus Christ, who the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1.14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who was that? Jesus Christ. And so as we read God's word, we believe, as Hebrews says, that it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We believe that this word is true, that it's infallible, that it's the authority, it's the word of God. And so when it comes to faith, we take a look at the word of God and we say, this is the substance, Jesus Christ is the substance of whom we put our faith. The evidence of things unseen. I've never seen God. Have you seen God? We've seen the evidence or the working of God. I've never seen the wind, but I've experienced the wind. And we put our faith, the evidence of things unseen. And so what we find is, is that, that there are illustrations. And so we looked at Abel, and we looked at Enoch, and we looked at Noah a couple of weeks ago as examples and illustrations of faith. And, and today we turn our attention to probably one of the most influential, one of the most popular figures when it comes to faith. Not only the Christian faith, but the Jewish faith and the, and, and the Islamic faith, the Muslim faith. Because all of these point to this person as the father of, 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 of where the hope and the promise that they talk about or where the salvation or where the religion would come. And that man is Abraham. 
Abraham. So whether you are a Muslim and believe that Abraham son Ishmael, or whether you believe in the Jewish or the Christian belief that the promised son was Isaac, what we have is, is that Abraham becomes that one figure that, every, that these, these point back to, probably the most influential and, and mentioned as an influence of faith. So we're going to spend two weeks with Abraham. Next week, we're going to bring his wife, Sarah, into it. But we're going to take a look at just a couple of verses today, Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. So if you have your copy of God's Word, certainly we'll have some scriptures on the screen or the app notes. If you follow along on our church app, it's a free download. You can download our app, and we put the, the notes on there as well. Maybe you're following along in you version. But we're going to be in Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. And if you put a little uh, marker or pin, my Bible happens to have two of these things. You can put one there and then you can swing back and we're going to go back into the story and the history of where this story comes from, where Abraham comes from. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. So we're going to be in two passages this morning. We're going to be in two passages, Hebrews 11 and Genesis 12. And what we're going to see are three essentials to a journey of faith, three essentials to the journey of faith. The first one, the, the first essential thing that we're going to look at is leaving by faith. Leaving by faith, all right? Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, some of you, youth, immediately when he didn't know where he was going, thought of his spouse, right? Because you have a spouse who, when you get in the car, you're like, do you know where you're going? Yep. And then as you go, do you know where you're going? Yep. No, I don't know where I'm going. But I'm going to act like I know where I'm going. Anybody married to somebody like that? Don't. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so so God, is, God is inviting him to leave, to go to a place that he's not yet revealed where the final destination would be, but revealing to him and saying to him, I want you to follow me. I haven't told you exactly where you're going, but I'm calling you to leave, and I'm calling you to leave everything that you know. <clears throat> the context for the story, excuse me, is found in Genesis chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. This is the promise. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. Abram is, is Abraham's name. Later on, it got changed. But Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. We have any folks that are, don't raise your hands. I don't want to. 75 years old or old. So here it is, 75, and I know people lived a lot longer than, but 75 years old, all of a sudden God comes to him and says, listen, I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but I'm going to make you a promise. And on that word, on the word of God, on the promise of God, Abraham obeyed and went. How many know that's faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. And that's what he does. He, he takes God at his word. He hears the call of God that there's a greater inheritance that is coming, greater than even the inheritance that his father, who had recently passed away, would have left him. I want you to leave that inheritance for a greater inheritance. I want you to leave what is here and what you know for something better that I am promising you. 
Now, to fully understand the situation, we have to take a further look back, and we, we flip back one chapter in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 11, and the end of Genesis chapter 11 shares with us a genealogy that traces Abraham back to Noah's son, Shem. So two weeks ago, we talked about Noah and his sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Go and build yourself a boat. That's the way I remember it. And, uh, and they were his sons. And, they, and, and so the earth became populated again. Following the flood, it populated again. And again, once again, people began to turn away from the Lord. In fact, they got so arrogant, they tried to build a tower to God. Some people don't understand the Tower of Babel, but the Tower of Babel was a, was a place of worship. It was, a, it was a structure of worship, and they were saying, by our own hands, we're going to build a way back to God. We're going to get to you, God, by our own hands. We don't need you to come to us. We don't need you to make a way. We're industrious enough, and by our own hands, we're going to create a way in which we can connect with you. How many of you know there's no way that we can connect with God on our own? It is not by works that any man is saved, right? It's by the grace of God. And so God confuses the language and, and all of those things. And you follow the genealogy and we find Abraham. He's living with his father, Terah, in a place that is known as Ur of the Chaldeans, along with his brothers Nahor and Haran. Ur was located in Chaldea, Mesopotamia, which is between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, east of Israel. It was a fertile land. It was a place where many believe the Garden of Eden originally was located. Babylon, the great city, finally built, and, and, and that was that area. In fact, it's modern-day Iraq now that we're talking about when we talk about the area of Babylon or the area of Ur of the Chaldees. And if you remember anything from history class, you know that for its time, it was a very progressive city. Abraham's brother Haran had died. He had a son by the name of Lot who ended up going with his grandfather and going with Abraham. And they left Ur of the Chaldees. And Genesis 11 shares that Abraham's wife Sarai, or Sarah, was unable to conceive. We go back to Genesis 11, 31 and 32. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. I share this because the journey didn't begin. The first call that, to, to leave didn't begin right there in Genesis chapter 12 in verse 1. It actually began earlier. That God had called to them earlier, but there was a second call that went out. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was preaching prior to being stoned, and he declares this, verses 2 to 4 of chapter 7 in Acts. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people. Go, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. Abraham's call did not begin in Haran. That was the second time he had heard. His call actually began while he was in Ur of the Chaldeans. That's why it came. Why is that important? Because there are some who, who are living in Ur. Ur was a very pagan, pagan place. In Joshua 24, 2, it says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So Terah, Abraham's father, was an idol worshiper. He was an idol worshiper. He worshipped other gods. This was a very pagan family. 
They had a pagan family. They were not worshiping Jehovah God. They were, they, were, they were pagans who had a lot of idolatry and a lot of other ways in their life. The city was a city that was not one that honored God. And so what we have to see is, is the call of God is similar to the call of salvation. That, hey, you are, you are worshiping in this way, but I am calling you to worship me, Jehovah God. I am calling you out of that idolatry. I'm calling you out of that culture. I'm calling you out of paganism. And I'm calling you to a greater inheritance. And in order to be called to a greater inheritance, what do you have to do? You have to leave. Leaving by faith. In order for Abraham to truly embrace the promises that God was making, the salvation that God was offering, the hope that God was offering, he had to leave the culture in which he was in. Now, I don't know if we're making the connection here, but when it comes to what what happens with salvation, when we uh, come to this awakening and this knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that he's calling us to us for the forgiveness of sin. He is calling us out and he says, listen, I want you to leave your old way of life. I want you to leave your old way of life. Second Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Salvation demands separation. There's a problem that I see in the Christian community. Can I, maybe I should say not the, maybe I should say in the religious community. And that is that we have settled for a prayer. We have settled that when our hearts are awakened, when our eyes are open to Jesus Christ, and there's nothing wrong, but we begin with a prayer and we say, dear Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I want you to come into my life. I need salvation. But the problem is, is that many of us never leave the life of sin. Many of us never leave the lifestyle of sin that God is calling us out of, and therefore we never receive the promises that are found in his word. We are still bound in our old ways because we refuse to come out. We refuse to leave. We remain and we stay locked into our sin and our sinful decisions, but hey, we said a prayer. The life of faith is a calling out. It is a leaving. You've got to leave something behind. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Now listen, we still live in the world, and we're going to talk about that. We live in the world, but not of the world. We're called to live out of the world. It doesn't mean that we're not to interact with people or not share our faith with people or seclude ourselves in some type of compound. That's not what I'm talking about. The word here is yoked. And yoked means that I have this this wooden yoke. and, And what we're talking about is we're plowing a field together. And I'm yoked here with you. And we're yoked and we're connected and we're going in the same direction. Don't be yoked to go in the same direction as those in which God has called you out. In a lifestyle that God has called you out. In a culture that God has called you out. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are some of us that are still conformed by the pattern of the world. We haven't yet come out. We've recognized that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that we need Him. But we have stopped there and we haven't come out. 
There is a leaving that is necessary. Galatians 1, 3 through 4, Paul opens the letter by saying, Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. So we agree, gave himself for our sins. But listen to this, to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. Jesus came to rescue us. Salvation is the first step of a longer journey. It's a step to say, I need to leave the old pattern. I need to leave the old way. I need to step out. It's a leaving. We'll read about Moses later. But it says in Hebrews eleven twenty four and 25, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses understood that he, that he when he had a, a knowledge of who he was as a child of God, as a worshiper of Jehovah, could no longer continue to just identify as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, enjoying the comforts and the fleeting pleasures of sin. But when he recognized God's call upon his life he had to come out with that he had to come out of that he had to come away from that and friends that's what we have to understand is that faith involves a leaving a leaving of the old life behind a leaving of the old way behind and there are some of us that did that but Genesis eleven thirty one. but when they came to Haran they settled there Abraham was called but for whatever reason, as they were making the journey, they settled in Haran. They didn't continue on. They settled in Haran. Maybe Abraham's father, it says that he passed away there. Maybe he would just was too old to make the journey. It, it could be there. But I'm going to make a, a spiritual connection that I don't think is too far of a stretch. And that is, some of us have stepped out and we've started to leave, but we've settled. We haven't continued on to embrace the promises of God partway along the way. Somehow we got settled. We got, we got comfortable. We got settled. And we settled in Haran. We settled for something less than what God's best is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that some of you, that's where you're at. You came out, God saved you, you had a miraculous salvation, but somewhere along the line, your life has been reduced to settling. You have settled for something other than God's promises. You've settled for something that's more comfortable than what God is calling you to because you don't know what that looks like, but you know what this looks like. I would venture to say that in America, that's a lot of where we are in the American church. We like our comforts. We like our pleasures. We like it. We like a kind of a kind of good. Let's come in. Let's worship. Let's get a little feel good. But we're not going to go any further with God. And when you don't go a little further with God, you never receive the full inheritance that God has. You receive something of this world. When he died, he received his father's inheritance. But God said, no, 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 no. Your father's inheritance is not something I want you to settle for. I'm calling you to something greater. But God, I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know where this is going to live. I don't know what kind of pain might be there. I don't know what I might experience. I don't know what might be coming. Follow me. Follow me. I got a plan. I got something better. By faith, will you take me at your word? In his utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers, in his famous devotional, wrote this, faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Come on, it's all about the one who is leading. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And what's the substance? The substance is in the God who proves over and over and over and over again that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. 
that he is faithful when we are faithless. Not only do we need to lead by faith, but we've got to continue to live by faith, living by faith. Hebrews 11, 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs of him by the same promise. He said, what does that have to do with living? Well, Abraham he decides he's going to follow God. All right, I'm going to leave Haran. All right, I'm, not going to, I'm going to leave the life of settling, and I'm going to follow God. And he gets to the place where God says, this is your land. All of this is yours. But there was a problem. How many of you know sometimes there's a problem? There's a problem. Verse 9 says that he made his home like a stranger in a foreign country. Why? Because there were people in the land. Not only that, if we go back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10, it also tells us that there was a famine in the land. God, where did you lead me? Anybody ever asked that before? God, I've just left everything and followed you. Where did you lead me? I thought it would be different than this. You told me, you promised me a land. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to march in here. I'm going to come in here. It's going to be vacant. I'm going to be able to take up residence. And this is going to be the place. This is what you're calling me to. And when he gets there, there are people there. And when he gets there, there's a famine there. God, this isn't what I signed up for. Anybody agree? Right? Why? Because we've got to learn how to live by faith. It's not just leaving by faith, but it's learning how to trust God even when what we experience and what we see when we get there doesn't match up with our expectations. We're not exempt. We're not taken out of the world. We're not exempt from the trials and troubles. So Abraham arrived in Canaan, Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Whoa, hold on a second. I'm 75 years old and I left to follow you. My wife is 65. We are unable to conceive. And here we are. And you made all these promises, including that you would make me into a great nation. And I, I don't have an heir. I just have this nephew, Lot, from my brother who's come. I mean, I guess I could leave things to him. I, I don't know. But, I, but Lord, where, where, what are we at? What are we doing? What are we doing? What's he, what's, he, what's he do? Genesis 12, 7, second part of, of verse 7 and 8. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to them. And from there he went toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. And again, twice it says he built an altar to the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. What's he choose to do? When the expectations don't match up, when he gets there and it seems like the promises of God are delayed or they're not exactly what he thought, what does he do? He builds an altar. In other words, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask God. I'm going to choose to worship God. I'm going to choose to call on the name of the Lord. That's prayer and worship. What am I going to do? I'm going to look up because where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. God, my physical eyes to my physical eyes, this doesn't make sense. But you know what? I'm going to trust you anyway. You know what? I'm going to look up and I'm going to put my eyes on you through prayer and through worship. The journey of faith not only involves leaving, but it involves a continued living by faith. Because as we live by faith, we find that God uses the waiting time and the circumstances that we face to mature us and to grow us. Abraham had some growing up to do. He had some growing up to do. If you know the story, 
You know that when Abraham, when the famine hit, Abraham did something else too. He said, you know what? There's a famine here. We're going to go to Egypt. And you might think, well, what? there's nothing wrong with that. There was a famine. There was, some, there was some supplies in Egypt, so he went to Egypt. But here's what happened in Egypt. When he got there, all of a sudden he was worried. He got a little fearful. What if Pharaoh likes my wife? She's beautiful. At 65, she must have been still a looker. I'll tell you with that. What, what if Pharaoh wants my wife? What will he do to me? What, where's the protection for my life? I've left the protection of what I've known. I've left the protection of my family. I've left the protection of my city. And now I'm worried. Now I'm fearful. I have a security issue. And in his insecurity, Abraham lied. How many have ever found you step out in faith, you start to follow God, but then you start to feel a little insecure? You start to worry. Where will my protection come from? Where will my provision come from? God, I left all to follow you. I left all to follow you. Where's the protection? Where's the provision? I got to a land, and it's filled with Canaanites, and they're stronger and bigger than I am, and I, I'm unprotected, and there's a famine in the land. I'm unprovided for. I've got to figure out how to provide and how to protect myself. And so in his humanness and in his weakness, although he had stepped out and left by faith, all of a sudden Abraham takes matters into his own hands and starts to human reason how he can protect himself from his insecurity security and how he can provide anybody ever done that before and how many of you know what comes of that a mess a mess well how did a mess come of this well the king finds out because God is sovereign and God protects Sarah because God is protecting his promise God's protecting the promise he made God was protecting the promise, and, and so he protects Sarah, and it, it finds out. They find out, and, and so Abraham is humiliated, and he's sent back to Canaan. He's humiliated, and he's sent out of the land. You can read. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but he's sent out of the land. And the Bible tells us later on that when they were unable to conceive, he and Sarah came up with another scheme of a plan. How many of you know, God, your timing, I've got to make it work in my own timing, have anybody ever done that before? I've got to figure it out in my own timing, in my own way. And, and what did they do? They, they all of a sudden, Sarah says, my maidservant Hagar, what was Hagar? Hagar was what? She was a Egyptian. She was an Egyptian. Well, where did they get an Egyptian maidservant from? She didn't come with them from Ur of the Chaldees. That was one of the gifts that was given when Abraham had taken this little delay. So now you follow it up and all of a sudden what we have is a mess and we have an Ishmael because we have to learn that living by faith is learning that when we are not feeling as if God is providing, he is. And when we are not feeling as if God is protecting, he is. We have to trust and we have to wait on him. There's a maturing process. We leave but we're not perfect, right? So we have some things as we go along. We're, okay, God, I have great faith and I'm trusting you. And then all of a sudden, circumstances and God allows circumstances because we're still living in the world and there's trials and, there's, and we go, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And we start to pick it up and we start to try to do it in our own strength and in our own way. And God says, no, 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 no. Let, let me help you with that. Let me show you. And it doesn't work out the way we think. And we're like, oh, I'm humiliated. What's happening? And God says, I, I give grace to the humble. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. God gives grace. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. A humble and a contrite heart. Who, who cannot deny? 
And in our humility, God begins to teach us some things about himself and about his character and about his ability to be able to provide. And so along the way, we find ourselves in these situations like Abraham where we're living by faith, where we're learning how to grow, where God is saying, listen, I pulled you out. Now let me get the old ways out of you. Let me teach you. And that only comes by living by faith. When we are still living in the world. All of Abraham's life, he never owned the land that God had promised. God never gave it to him. The only thing that he, he bought was a plot, a burial plot, a burial ground, Machpelah. And that was it. He owned nothing. He was transient. He lived in, in tents. And you know what that teaches us? How many of you know, friends, this world is not our home? We get so attached to things here. This world is not our home. What Abraham teaches us is that living by faith is learning how to live open-handed. Living by faith is learning how to, how to not get too attached to the material possessions and the things of this world. To not get too attached. Abraham lived in tents. He never really owned the land because it wasn't about this land. It was about a greater inheritance. It was about a greater promise that God was making. The promise of salvation, the promise would come through Jesus Christ later on. But it was a greater thing. It was a, a, a greater way to live. Oh, journeying in this world is going to get a little rough at times, friends. Why? Why do we still allow ourselves to get a little rough so that we won't get too attached? Because we're not supposed to be here. We're here for a little while and then gone. Life is but a mist and a vapor and then gone. But we have to keep our eyes looking somewhere else. And how do we do that? Not only leaving by faith and living by faith, but if you really want to learn how to live by faith, you've also got to start looking by faith, looking forward with faith. Hebrews 11.10, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Mm, did you see that? Where was his focus? He was looking. What was he looking forward Forward to what? He was looking forward to a promise, and the promise was not just the land of Canaan. There was a greater promise. It was a city, a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward. He never, what that means is he never found what he was looking for in this life. He never found what he was looking for in this life. Friends, the problem is that some of us are missing out on what God has because we're looking to find it here with the things of this earth and you're not going to find it in the things of this earth. Oh, temporarily you may be satisfied. Temporarily you may have something that God blesses you with and you get to enjoy for a little while. But don't hang on. Don't allow it to become an idol in your life. Don't be, allow it to become the object of worship that if God takes it away, your faith is shaken and rocked. Keep your eyes on something greater because there's something greater that is coming. One of Robert Frost's most famous poems captures this truth in powerful images. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaves of sides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. How true is that? What's that saying? 
That's the same thing. It's the same thing that Solomon was saying in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you read through Ecclesiastes, what Solomon is saying is all the pursuits that I make to try to find meaning in this life, to try to find something that I can hang on to in this life that's going to provide a lasting meaning, I can't find it. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. If you try to pursue the things of this world and you get too attached and your relationship with God is simply based on I'm leaving because he's going to bless me here on this earth because I'm going to get these blessings. I'm going to be rich. God's going to rich. I'm going to be rich if I serve God. Oh, goodness. In this life, you will have troubles, what Jesus said. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What's that mean? You've got to look beyond And I'm not saying that God doesn't bless and provide. He does, but he's also teaching us how to trust him. And the way to trust him is to keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you get too attached to the things of this world, if you get too attached, and why do I say that? Because we're so distracted. We're such a distracted generation. We get ourselves after so many other pursuits that we can't serve the Lord. God calls us to serve him, but we're too busy with our calendars because our pursuits are in other things, pursuing to have the pleasures and the successes and the the things of this world. I'm not going to tell you not to work hard. God tells us to work hard. But I'm telling you, don't get too attached to it. You've got to see something greater that God wants to bring, and that is by looking forward to what he has promised. Nothing, nothing gold can stay. We live, we die. We buy a house, we sell a house. Someone moves into the place we once lived, and they change it around and make it theirs. I put all this money and effort into this whole renovation. I remember we owned, our, you know, we owned a house in Boardman, and I remember you know, when we first moved in, we wanted to do all these things, and one of the first things we tackled, we tackled a bathroom project, man, and we were redoing this bathroom, and man, it was looking nice. And, and then when we, when we sold the home, somebody came in and changed it all around. Wait a minute, that was... That would look nice. Why did you change it? Because they wanted something different. Right? That's the way it goes. Right? We take a job. We leave a job. We take a job. We work so hard. We become successful. We get the corner office. And then we retire. And some young punk comes in and changes everything and ruins everything. Right? Everything we built. Everything we did. What do you change? Why are you doing that? Oh, I, I invested so much of myself in that that I, I didn't even invest in my family. Now my family's a mess and that's, that's no longer. What do I have to hold on to? Be careful what you hang on to. Be careful in this life what you, what you hold on to, what you value, what you think is most important because it may not be exactly what God says is the most important thing. Be careful your grasp. The moment is golden for you. Enjoy it. Don't grasp it because it won't last forever. The one part of life of faith, that's one part, is we never reach full satisfaction in this life. God doesn't want us to because he wants us to find our satisfaction in him. That our satisfaction should be fully found in him, 
that we may not inherit a world that is wasting away, but rather we experience something better that God has promised us, a city with foundations that stands in contrast to a life in a tent which has no foundation. The tent represents the temporary nature of this world, and since God is both the architect, the builder of the city, and the foundation, that foundation is secure and solid. It is a city that is above. Revelation 12, 22 says it's a heavenly Jerusalem. The eternal place of all of God's glory for the saints according to Revelation chapter 21. If you read it, there's no more crying and there's no more pain. And there's, there's, it's a beautiful city who, who, who the very presence of God is there. There is no sun. There's no need for the sun because the Son of God is there. The presence of God is there. Friends, that is what we are looking on to. Something that is eternal, not just something that is temporary. And the author of Hebrews is saying that when Abraham went out from his father's country out of, uh, to Canaan, he was not just counting the promises of God as a piece of real estate, but rather he was looking beyond to the greater promise, the promise of heaven. He was looking to a greater promise. And as we journey in faith, we need to keep in mind that this world is not our home. God has something better planned. It's an inheritance that he's preparing for those who continue to keep their faith in him. We must learn how to live with an eternal perspective if we are going to journey in faith. When it comes to journeying of faith, the journey of faith, the question is, what is God calling you to leave behind? What is God calling you to leave? The journey of faith always begins with leaving. It always begins with leaving, leaving something in our old life, something that we've been hanging on to, something that we have looked to for security, something that we have looked to for provision, something that we have, that we have put ourselves into to find meaning and to find life. That's worship. Worship is when you find value and when you put your faith in looking to something that's supposed to meet the need. And God says, that should be Jesus Christ. I'm calling you away from that. So my question is, what do you need to leave? For some of you, there is sin in your life. There's something that you know you are being disobedient to God. And God is saying, enough, I'm calling you to leave. Will you trust me? I'm calling you to leave. I'm calling you to let that go. Some of you did that once, but you settled. Like Abraham settled in Haran for whatever reason, and the reasons are many, you have settled. And God says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to settle. I'm calling you to something greater. I'm calling you to leave. I'm calling you to leave that behind for something better that I have promised. Some of you are struggling with living, living by faith. You've experienced the challenges you've left, but man, it's a little bit insecure over here. It just doesn't seem like it's what I expected I'm struggling. I'm not seeing where the provision is coming from. I'm not seeing where the protection is coming from. The persecution has come. The difficulties have come. God, where is the protection? Where is the provision? And you're in that place where God is maturing you. Where James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And when perseverance has finished its work, it will make you complete and mature, not lacking anything. So you're in the middle of it, and you're living. And I want to encourage you to get your eyes off of the circumstances and get your eyes on the eternal, onto the God who is able and has something even better, even greater for you. A city whose foundation and builder is God.
It was what Abraham was looking forward to, an eternal perspective that kept him pressing on despite the circumstances. I want to invite the worship team to come, and I want to take the time. We're early, and I want to take the time for us to worship and not to rush out of here. Don't rush out of here. The Indians probably aren't going to win anyway, okay? Don't rush out of here. The Browns don't play till Monday night, all right? We, we need to take some time to get our focus right. We need to take some time to say, God, what are you calling me to leave? What are you calling me to leave? I'm struggling in the waiting. How can I get my eyes on you and to get our eyes focused? Some of us need to call upon the Lord. We need to build an altar of worship, and we need to start looking up to the eternal promises of God. Looking up, looking up, and that's what we do in worship. So I want us to bow our heads this morning. And again, the worship team's just coming to get set, but I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want to ask you this. There are some of you with this journey of faith, you haven't yet... You haven't yet made the first step to leave. You haven't said, I recognize that I need a savior. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about embracing Jesus Christ as your savior and saying, you know what? I have sinned and I need a savior and I need Jesus Christ to be my savior. I want to begin a journey of faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning and you'd say, you know what? I need to take that step. I need to begin that journey of faith. Will you slip up your hand this morning? I need to take that step. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I need to take the step of leaving. And I need to begin with this step of acknowledging that I need a Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anyone here? You took that step, but you settled. And you say, you know what? God is calling me to make a fresh commitment. He's calling me to leave. I've settled. I've settled. But he's saying, don't settle. I, I, I want you to begin to move towards me again. I want you to begin to move towards my promises again. And that's you. You'd say, you know what? I, I'm done. Pastor, I just want to acknowledge before you and before God that I'm moving out. I'm, I'm done settling. I'm done settling. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I'm done settling. Yeah. I'm moving out, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now there's some of you that are struggling. You've been walking by faith, but man, it's been difficult. The, you've been struggling with the provision and the protection of God. You've been struggling with where that is, and you say, you know what, I'm in the land and I'm trying, but it's real, it's real easy for me to slip into wanting to grasp hold with my own hands, and, and I, need to, I, need to, that, I need that strength in the, in the living. I need that strength in right now. That's you. Will you slip up your hand, Pastor? Will you pray for me? That's where I'm at. Yeah. Jesus, right now you've seen the hands. Those, Lord, that are saying, I don't want to settle. I want to move forward. Those that have been taking those steps. But, boy, it has just been hard to see you at work. We trust you, but it's hard. And we just keep wanting to take it back and doing it our own way. Father, I just pray for your revelation today, for your strength today. Lord, it's got to be you. I pray for your spirit, that it would not be our might. It would not be our power. We would not rely on chariots and horses. We wouldn't rely on our own but we would learn to rely on your spirit my spirit by my spirit says the Lord God I pray that you would move across this place in the spirit of God and Lord you would begin to just draw us towards you you would encourage us in the battle you would encourage us to step out of the comforts and the way in which we've settled and move towards you we need you 
We need you. We want to hold loosely to the things of this world. Because, Lord, they're not the objects of worship. They're the gifts, and we don't want to worship the gift. We want to continue to worship the giver. Keep our eyes on the eternal. That whatever would be counted as loss, we would count as gain for the sake of knowing you, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, make us like Abraham. That we would look to you. And we would look to a greater city whose architect and builder is God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Come on, let's stand. The altars are open. If you want prayer, maybe you just need to just do some business with God. Come on. We've got about 10 minutes before it's noon, all right? I've left us time. Let's just come and let's gather around. Let's get to these altars. Let's give ourselves to the Lord. Let's not rush out of here, but let's let God do a real work inside of us as we respond to him this morning. The worship team is going to lead us. I'll be up here to pray. Our, worship, our prayer team will be up here to pray. Come on, let's press in. Let's press in this morning. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.